Welcome everyone to another episode of A Sister and Her Mister. Today we have Dr. Samina Mitha. She is a licensed and board certified naturopathic doctor and she was diagnosed with PCOS around 12 years ago. Following her diagnosis, all of her symptoms made sense. The irregular periods, hirsutism, anxiety, stress, and cravings. And at that time, she felt as if her options were limited and she received help from a naturopathic doctor and that changed everything for her. From that point on, she began to understand her body and health, and she developed a special interest in all things hormone and fertility related. She is now focused on helping other women restore their clarity, confidence, and control so that they can live a life of good health. Doctor said you got PCOS, now go on girl, just lose some weight. Till I took the symptoms into my own hands and reversed them naturally. So I became a dietitian to help my sisters feel the best they've ever felt. Take a step in my direction if you wanna prove them wrong and take control of yourself. Join a sister and a mister. Welcome, Dr. Samina. We're so happy to have you here. Yes, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. You're one of the uh, guests that we've had on, like, I think you, you probably like top first or second in, in terms of like number of guest appearances. I don't know who uh, number one is, but it's either you or I think maybe Dr. Nadja Padaguana. I'm not maybe. sure. Yeah. Maybe. Nice. Uh, <laughs> we love that you're a naturopathic doctor. It's like right up our alley with PCOS and everything that we talk about on this podcast. So it's going to be a really fun episode covering progesterone. Yeah, it's one of my favorite topics, honestly. So I'm really excited to be here. Is it really? Why is it your favorite topic? I think it's because um, it's such a big part of my practice now. And I find that it helps so many women in so many different ways. Sometimes even when I'm just talking about work to my husband, I'm like, progesterone this, progesterone that. And he's <laughs> like, it sounds like all you do is just progesterone. <laughs> yeah. 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 And honestly, yeah, it it's helped so many of my patients. So I just want to spread the word about it yeah. and try to help other PCOS women out there um, see if progesterone could help them as well. Yeah. And I, I personally feel like it's not a topic that's talked about enough in terms of how much of an effect it can have on PCOS symptoms. Could we talk about um, like, what are the symptoms of low progesterone as well as high progesterone, if, if that can also be possible? Progesterone is a hormone, correct? Yeah. So if we back it up, actually, maybe we start from... Um, when we produce progesterone. So we are producing progesterone throughout the cycle. At the very beginning, it's extremely low. So when I say very beginning, it's when we get our period. What happens is, um, you know, follicles will come to the plate uh, in terms of which follicles are going to end up maturing and which follicle, the one and only follicle will end up actually ovulating out. Now, the way the follicle actually matures is through estrogen. So more estrogen we build, the follicle grows and grows and grows. And then when estrogen gets to its peak, that's when LH is going to surge. This is luteinizing hormone. It allows for ovulation to happen. And then that follicle that houses the egg becomes something called a corpus luteum. And that corpus luteum actually produces progesterone and sets our body up for a possible pregnancy if that egg gets fertilized. So in the second half of the cycle, that's where we're producing majority of our progesterone. So we often talk about, you know, what's going on in the second half of that cycle. 
to show us like, is there any signs of low progesterone? One of the biggest signs I would say is spotting before a period. Um, that one is like, okay, yes, for sure. There's something going on here with progesterone and we need to take a look at what's going on. The other signs are very interesting because it can be related to an imbalance between estrogen and progesterone. So sometimes it doesn't necessarily mean that your actual progesterone number is low, but it could be low in comparison to the amount of estrogen you're making. So what progesterone does is it helps to oppose estrogen. And if we have too much estrogen there, we need a little bit more progesterone to oppose that, to kind of bring these PMS symptoms down. So oftentimes in the second half of the cycle, patients will complain of, you know, feeling down, depressed, maybe getting some PMDD. That's another sign progesterone is low. Um, the spotting, like I mentioned, um, maybe the second half of the cycle is shorter. Typically, we have a 14-day luteal phase. So if it's shorter than that, that can also mean progesterone could be a little bit low. So many signs there in the second half of the cycle. In PCOS specifically, though, when we're looking at is progesterone low, the number one thing I would say is the patient cycles are irregular because they're not ovulating. So we're not building that progesterone. So we know progesterone is low in comparison to somebody who's ovulating every cycle day 14 and getting a 28-day cycle, right? In a year, their amount of progesterone that they're going to build is going to be significant versus somebody who's getting a 60-day 120 day, 40 day mm -hmm. cycle, like very variable. They're not going to produce as much progesterone as somebody who's getting regular cycles. Yeah. Um, so, so usually, a, uh, let's say a PCOS woman who is having irregular periods, and I'm going to say usually because, of course, it may not yeah. be everyone, yeah. uh, usually can be due to low progesterone. Yeah. And okay. the reason why is because when we first get our period ever, so in puberty, our LH is high. Um, and what happens is the there's hormones in your brain that start to be created. And that's when FSH, follicle stimulating hormone, also starts to become created. And that allows you to ovulate because it stimulates the ovaries to produce estrogen. So what happens in PCOS is instead of FSH coming alive and making you know enough estrogen for us to ovulate, LH kind of builds this wall of it just stays high. And so testosterone is always high and it prevents the patient from ovulating. They may ovulate here or there, but their LH just stays high. Mm. And so they're not able to ovulate um, because of that. The reason why like patients who have regular cycles actually end up ovulating cycle after cycle is because they're making this FSH, their body's getting exposed to progesterone and the brain is getting that signal. So their next cycles are gonna be able to become more regular because of that. In PCOS, if LH is continually high, it's harder for us to actually get that signal to the brain to allow for ovulation to happen cycle after cycle after that. So some patients will come in and they'll say, you know, ever since I got my period, my cycles have been irregular. And so that's like a warning sign that, oh, their LH is probably high, their testosterone is high. And what we need to do is expose the brain to more progesterone and allow that connection to kind of come alive between the brain and the ovaries. Did you hear about that sister who took Ovacetol and finally got her period after a year of not having one? Incredible. 
I see those kinds of messages on Instagram a lot. How does that even happen? Well, Ovacetol helps with healing insulin resistance, a common root issue that most PCOS sisters have. And by targeting insulin resistance, we're seeing sisters kick those crazy cravings, finally regulate their periods, ovulate, and improve their egg quality. Each packet of Ovacetol has a 40 to 1 ratio of myo-inositol and d chiroinositol This ratio is similar to the ratio that should be found in the body, but with women like me who have PCOS, this ratio is often imbalanced. So, taking Ovacetol can be super effective in treating insulin resistance starting from the root of the issue. So awesome. It tastes like nothing, so just warn me when you put it in a cup so I don't drink it. You got it, boo. Check out the link in the description to get 15% off your order. What is happening that makes the LA chai? Like, what can they do to counter that? Yeah, you know, honestly, I don't know what the research says in terms of that, but I honestly think it's genetics. Mm. Mm-hmm. Is it one of those issues where when you're insulin resistant, it triggers high testosterone and then that can trigger high LH and like, yes, that can be a problem. That can be one of the issues too. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Like a combination of genetics and environment. Yeah. I think know? so too. Yeah, for sure. Um, because oftentimes patients will come and say, this is like a trend I've seen that um, around the time of puberty, they're going into high schools or stressful, you know, the stress obviously caused inflammation. Maybe they were eating well. And just even that environment, if you're predisposed yeah. to something like insulin resistance and diabetes from family history can kind of like trigger some of these symptoms that come alive and the genes to be expressed to allow this PCOS to kind of come into their picture. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like in modern day, we kind of create that horrible environment for like girls at that age when they start their period, because they're surrounded by candy and junk food. They're surrounded by toxins. um, toxins yeah. bed bath i mean bath and body works yeah toxins, exactly yeah makeup and candles and all those things yeah and then and stress of and school. then the stress of like stress school, of school like, yeah not being outside and being in front of computers and getting yes. more sleep and social yes. media and then you know we just like create that environment aside from the genetic factors we like mm-hmm. bring it to life we so, do bring it to life i think yeah So why is it important to care about progesterone levels if you're not going to get pregnant anytime soon? Mm, I know it's really important, but I want you to like lay it out, Mm. split out because Mm. people who are listening might be like, well, you know, who really cares? I'm not trying to get pregnant or ovulate or whatever. Like, why should I care? It's so important. Yeah. Well, yeah. Super, super important to be shedding the lining, for example, especially if you are building the lining, if you are making estrogen, maybe not enough to like get ovulation going, but enough to build that lining. You want to protect the lining by shedding it um, because it can, you know, after a long period of time may predispose you to something like endometrial cancer. Right. And so that's why a lot of women are also put on birth control pills because they're told that their lining needs to get shed in order to protect their uterus, which makes sense, right? So it it does, it is important to be shedding that lining. And the way that we can be doing that is by using progesterone. Um, because progesterone will help um, shed the lining as well. Because once we put the progesterone in, we take it out, not only will it help with ovulating, it'll also help to shed the lining when we take the progesterone out. So I would say that's like number one. But 
also as a PGS woman myself, and like, I feel like listeners out there would definitely, you know, feel the same is like, when you don't have your period, you feel like absolute S, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like you just feel so bad. Like you just feel moody and cranky and like all the PMS symptoms are coming, but you're not getting this period and all you want is a period. And every time you go to the washroom, you're like, oh my God, is it going to come? Because if it's not here, I'm going to like lose my shit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So honestly, I feel like just getting a period makes you feel so much better. And it makes sense because our body does need to reset and it does need to, you Mm -hmm. know, feel, uh, get the hormones going and it needs the hormones to change day in, day out. And so I do really feel that um, it's important to even have a period. There was like a, a, I mean, we get these messages once in a while, but I'll never forget like uh, a certain message where I saw and it just for me, it was unfortunate that this person didn't have like enough, you know, awareness about uh, uh, or being educated on her menstrual cycle. But she was basically saying how, oh, like if I don't have my period, isn't that a good thing? You know, like I I, I prefer it if I don't get my period. And of course, like she was, she, unfortunately, she just didn't get the you know proper awareness about her cycle and things like that. But, you know, I think it's also important to, to have your menstrual cycle because that's part of, you know, like having a proper, um, like balanced hormones in your body and such. Yeah. I'm, I totally understand that too. I mean, it's not necessarily the funnest thing to go through when you get it. (laughs) It's like a catch 22 when you get it, you're like, Oh, but it's like, you need it. You want it because you want to feel better. And, um, also I think a lot of women struggle with their period. They're, you know, their cycles are heavy. They get pain. They have all these PMS symptoms. So a lot of them don't experience the best periods when they get it. Um, and if they haven't had it for a while, you know, that period that's coming, um, can cause a little bit of anxiety of like, what is this period going to bring for me? You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I can understand that point of view as well. Um, but definitely important to, you know, again, protect the uterus and also make sure that uh, your hormones are balanced because that's going to impact your daily, like activities of daily living too, you know, how much energy you have, what's your mood like, how irritable are you, like those types of things too. And and speaking of that, uh, when you have low progesterone or the ratio is off, that can also cause like uh, painful periods? It can cause painful periods. Yeah. Because we have, if there's more estrogen there. Okay. Yeah. What about bone health and brain health? Because I know that progesterone is yeah. really connected to that as well. And especially in like developmental ages, your teens, early 20s and everything, you want to like maximize the benefits towards your brain and bones because you're like setting the foundation for your older age in the future. Yeah, progesterone is actually important for bone um, health as well. And I'm honestly forgetting this one thing here. So I'm just looking it up. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> just give me one second. Because we know estrogen is really good for our um, vascular system. Um, and also progesterone helps with our vascular system as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually progesterone helps support like bone formation too. So it's like you're saying, it's extremely important for bones and also for the cardiovascular system. Um, to prevent long-term chronic disease. So important for us to actually be building progesterone as much as we can. Mm -hmm. And the way that we do that in PCOS is by stimulating those progesterone receptors with bioidentical micronized progesterone. Mm -hmm. And so when we do that, then we kind of open up these progesterone receptors and tell our body that, hey, we can actually make progesterone ourselves. So let's do it. And 
that's how I, I found using progesterone actually works. Mm. Using like a natural progesterone cream or like a medication? Yeah, so it's called Micronized Bioidentical Progesterone. Uh-huh. And it comes in different forms. So we can use a, a topical cream. We can use an oral form of progesterone, or we use a vaginal suppository. And so um, there's different, you know, indications for whichever one we're using. But technically speaking, um, you know, topical won't be as effective as something like oral or vaginal suppository, just because you know it just has lower levels in the bloodstream and it's harder to absorb through the skin. But but if we use something like oral micronized progesterone, it actually gets higher in the bloodstream um, and it can really impact the brain um, more so than even vaginal suppository. Um, the issue with oral form of progesterone is it can cause fatigue and grogginess, but um, it is helpful for those who have insomnia, especially before their period. So that's helpful in the oral form. And then the vaginal suppository, the nice thing about vaginal is it gets so close to the uterus so very beneficial for things like dysmenorrhea so um, painful periods menorrhagia heavy periods and really protecting that uterine environment Um, and you take it temporarily and then that kind of stimulates your body into producing its own progesterone yeah so what it's basically doing is we cycle it as if we're having a regular cycle. So like I said, after the follicle releases the egg, it's going to make a corpus luteum, and that's when we're going to build progesterone. That stage is um, after we make the corpus luteum for 14 days, that's the luteal phase. And uh, that's where we make majority of our progesterone. So we do it for 14 nights and uh, we usually start around cycle day 14 to 18, depending on your specific case. Sometimes we wait a little bit longer because we're allowing the body to ovulate on its own. And what the progesterone is doing is it's helping to bring the LH down. So the luteinizing hormone that increases testosterone in the ovaries. And as it does that, it allows the body to ovulate. So I often find that when the patient starts the progesterone, maybe let's say on cycle day 18, that on cycle day 18, 19, 20, 21, that's when they usually ovulate. And then they keep on the progesterone um, for 14 nights um, when they first started it on cycle day 18. And then they stop um, and then they wait for their period to come. Or if they're trying to conceive, they take a pregnancy test, they see if they're pregnant and if they are, they continue or they discontinue if they aren't. Mm -hmm. So the benefit of this is what's going to happen is on the next cycle, it's going to help because we're inevitably showing the brain, hey, progesterone is here. And we're telling the body, bring the testosterone down to allow for estrogen to rise for us to ovulate. That's and, super interesting. Yeah, yeah. and is this like, a, like, would this be considered as synthetic or like a natural progesterone supplementation? So good question. So basically this is micronized bioidentical progesterone. So micronized means that it's in a small enough form to be absorbed in, through the digestive tract if we're using it in an oral uh, form. And then um, bioidentical means that the chemical structure of this progesterone looks just as similar as the progesterone that we naturally produce. Mm-hmm. And this progesterone comes from wild yam. So wild yam has a component in it. So this is a um, a botanical herb. It has a component called diastinine. And diastinine looks just like the chemical structure of our natural progesterone. So it can actually sit on progesterone receptors in the body. And that's what helps to really stimulate those receptors and tell the body to bring the testosterone down. 
So yeah, it's not synthetic. It's actually compounded by like pharmacies compound it. Um, or actually there is some brand names that are uh, bioidentical progesterone. Like for example, here in Canada, we have uh, Crinone and Endometrium mm. um, and Prometrium. And so these are mostly used in fertility clinics from what I've seen. Um, but yeah, they it, all of it is bioidentical. So it comes oh, from okay. WildEM, yeah. Oh, and they also get testosterone from WildEMs, right, if I'm not mistaken, or is No, testosterone, testosterone mostly comes from... It's very interesting for women with testosterone because herbs can act differently with women versus men. Oh, okay. So yeah, tribulus, for example, will increase testosterone in men, but in women, it will help to raise estrogen and help oh, those follicles to grow together. Yeah, so it's very interesting and it and it can get very confusing because herbs do so many different things synergistically together when they're put yeah. to other herbs. Yeah, it's very complicated and confusing. So if you're ever taking herbal medicine, always ask somebody before you take it because it can get very complicated. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm really curious why, like when someone's missing their period, they're not given progesterone, bioidentical progesterone, and instead they're just put on birth control, which actually doesn't allow them to even go through the menstrual phases yeah. and the ups and downs of estrogen and progesterone and all of this. So like yeah. birth control just like bypasses all of it. Whereas we could yeah. just be taking some progesterone for a few months and then be fine afterwards. Yeah. Someone I, explain this. I don't know. Go. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like I, um, I only learned about progesterone in the last few years, but I've used it in so many cases now and seen so many benefits. And a lot of this research comes from Jerry Lynn Pryor. She's a reproductive endocrinologist at um, NBC. She, her website is SEMCOR, so Center for Menstrual Research. And um, she has really pioneered this information on micronized bioidentical progesterone. And we need to put the word out there. And yeah, yeah. And that's that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. That's what, that's <laughs> what this so, episode's for. Yeah. Yeah, I know, but it, it's true. Like, why are we given? A lot of times, patients are given um, medroxy progesterone, uh, which is a synthetic form of progesterone to get their period going, right? And um, it doesn't necessarily help the actual issue. It's more so just allowing that patient to uh, to bleed, right? It's just a withdrawal mm. bleed. This is actually changing the environment and supporting what's the root cause of why this patient isn't ovulating and getting their period. Yeah. That's awesome. And yeah. also to, to kind of touch on um, supplementation as well as like, like natural treatment options, besides mm -hmm. the progesterone replacement, are there like other things that um, like uh, listeners can do in terms of maybe diet changes or lifestyle changes that help with progesterone? So yeah, there's so many um, options actually when we talk about how to increase progesterone in the body. Um, I have found that supplements can help, but to be very frank and honest with you, when I started using micronized bioidentical progesterone with patients, that's what really pushed the needle in a lot of these PCOS women. But we can go over a few things that may help here. Um, one of the ones that's commonly talked about um, online um, is chaseberry. And this actually is a herb as well. It helps to regulate progesterone by regulating the pituitary gland. So very interesting here. Um, but from what I have seen, 
it really only helps if uh, prolactin is high um, in, a, in a patient with PCOS or even in general, to be honest. So it's very specific in its use, I find, uh, when it comes to treating progesterone levels. That's, that's um, chase, chase berry? Chased, yeah, Chase Berry. Oh, oh, Chase Berry, okay. Vitex, yeah, Vitex is the other Oh, name. Vitex, I see, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, and then um, another big one is magnesium, and um, magnesium levels just really help to keep progesterone levels intact. It will help after you ovulate because it's helping your natural progesterone levels, right? It's not going to help you to ovulate, so that's where the bioidentical micronized progesterone would come in. Yeah, and then also um, vitamin B6 is another one that helps to raise progesterone naturally, um, and even uh, zinc. So there are a few um, supplements that can help naturally raise your own progesterone. But if we're talking about how to actually ovulate, it might those things we need to figure out why the patient isn't ovulating in the first place. Yeah, if their testosterone is high because of low progesterone. Then using progesterone um, in its micronized bioidentical form could help. If it's they're not ovulating because they have, you know, quite a bit of insulin resistance and we're using, you know, diet and lifestyle through that. Maybe it's a combination of treating insulin resistance and treating the low levels of progesterone. Yeah. Great. That's great. Yeah. And I think for anyone who's like, who's experiencing the symptoms that we talked about today, if you suspect that you may have low progesterone or or the ratio is off, uh, I think it's a good it, good idea to definitely get, get your labs checked check your progesterone levels and see if, you know, the treatment options like these are uh, good for you. Yeah. Actually to that point, which I think one more thing, if you don't mind, um, when we talk about progesterone uh, and when to test it, what's really interesting is a lot of women, um, when they get to the fertility clinic are told to test their progesterone on cycle day 21. And this is uh, very interesting because when it comes to PCOS, first of all, we're ovulating very irregularly, um, some of us. And so what happens is we want to test progesterone seven days after we ovulate. Mm. So oftentimes if a patient has, you know, let's say a 40-day cycle, then they're going to be probably ovulating around cycle day 26. And we only make progesterone after we ovulate. So if you're testing your progesterone on cycle day 21, then you're missing that progesterone level. And so Mm. what happens is the patient's progesterone comes in and it's extremely low because they haven't ovulated yet. And they've, they're basically told that they're not ovulating at all. And that's very incorrect because if you just gave them, you know, a few more days, they would have ovulated. And then we could have tested at what, what would it be? Um, It would have been cycle day 33, which is when we should be testing them because that's where the mid point of the second half of the cycle would be. Um, And that's when we would see that ratio between estrogen and progesterone and our progesterone should be at a level that would tell us that she ovulated. Yeah. So So, if it's it's hmm. incorrectly tested, basically it can show that you have low progesterone when it wouldn't maybe in fact like, okay, so is is that what? That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 So it, um, I would just say if you've been told that you're not ovulating, but you still get periods and they're just irregular. And I'm talking like a full flow, nice period. It means you're still ovulating. It just means that it might not be as regular as someone as that would have like a 28 day cycle. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. And like reassuring to a lot of women who have later cycles. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. 
uh, Dr. Samuna. And if for for anyone who who may want to work with you or find out about your practice, where can they uh, where can they find you? Yeah, so my website is saminamitha.com. You can also find me on Instagram, uh, dr.saminamitha.nd. And I also have a PCS Facebook group. So it's called Natural PCS Facebook Group. Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. We'll put all that information in the um, episode description. So for anyone interested, we highly recommend to check out Dr. Samina's website, her Instagram, and her Facebook group. She is one of our favorite naturopathic doctors in the PCOS world. So we highly recommend her. Thanks so so much much. for joining us. Yes, thank you for being here. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Bye, sisters. We'll talk to you next week. Until then, take care. Bye. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to come check out The Sisterhood. It's my monthly membership site where sisters just like you are learning how to move through the stages of PCOS. From stage one, cold and alone at the doctor's office, to stage five, nailing the PCOS lifestyle, gluten and dairy free. Get ready to finally feel in control of your body again.